are you racist? Are we all racist? And where does racism even come from? Is it hardwired into our psyche, a natural instinct that's impossible to overcome? Or is it something that we learn and can unlearn? This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. Well, it's great to have you on Signs of the Times Radio. I'm in our Sydney studios and with me is the author of our March magazine cover article, Mr. Lyndon Chuang. How are you, Lyndon? Good, thanks, Kent. Very good to be here. Cover, that's right, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. You're, you're, you're March cover girl, mate. Well, well done. Oh, uh, life's complete now. <laughs> Bucket list item ticked off, all that jazz. That's right. I, I should um, probably qualify that. I'm, I'm sorry, dear listeners, uh, there is not actually a picture of Lyndon on the front cover, but, <laughs> <laughs> but he, his story is featured on the front cover. So that, that's, that's good. Well, uh, Lyndon, we don't usually have props in the in the radio studio. <laughs> yeah, I brought a friend in. Yes, yeah, but you've you've brought a friend in. I, I'm seeing a a plastic box with holes in it, which looks a bit ominous. What 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 is going on with this? Well, I figured it would make this a bit of a party, and like, you no, know, two two's a crowd. Was oh, it three's a crowd? No, three's a crowd. Let's make it a crowd. <laughs> and so I brought on along a little friend of mine. Um, would you like me to get her out a little? Get yes, yes, I certainly would love to. Have a look at who you've brought along. Oh, here we go. He's uh, the box is open. There's a sort of a terracotta thing. Oh, hello! Yeah. And he's lifted lifted up, and underneath we have the beautiful patterning of. Uh, oh, hello! Here that, we go. That is is that a python? This is a rough scaled python, and it's one of the uh, a couple of pet pythons that I own. I've been in this hobby for maybe oh wow eleven years or so. Oh, wow. But yes, this is a rough scale python. She's about uh, nine years old. Yeah, and quite active, quite curious. Look at her, wow. Yeah, you do want to oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, oh. go towards you. Yeah, she, yeah. She, she's on my hand. Yep. She's cool and <laughs> smooth. Yeah, so the rough scale python name comes from... Oh, if you crawling if, up my arm. Have you held, held snakes before? I, I have. In fact, I think I even held this snake a few oh, years Oh, that's right, back. yeah. But so, boy, she's bigger now. Let's just hope she doesn't get... Caught in the, the like headphone cables and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, how, how, how long is she now? She's she's not um, huge. she's not huge. I mean, I've I've seen no. big like pythons in the rainforest crossing the road. There you, you know, go. And, she's all yours now. And and they're just about from one side to the other. Hey, look, li- listeners, if you'd like to <laughs> check out a picture of, of the python, you'll have to visit our Signs of the Times magazine A U N Z Facebook page, and we'll put something up there for you. Yeah, yeah. She's wow. Yeah, she's curious. So yeah, she grows up to. Oh, one point eight two meters, maybe max. Okay. Like snakes really never stop growing if they wow. keep getting food, so she'll just keep growing. She just wants to explore. Um, she's like, yeah, so o- over my shoulder. You see how she's going up? Yeah. So she's she likes very to much, climb up. Does yeah, she? she's very much an arboreal she's snake. She's a tree climber. Exactly. So let's just make wow. sure she doesn't go into any. Oh, of your and she's just like sliding <laughs> around my arms and over my shoulder, and I don't know where she's going. Where's she uh, going? She's, yeah. she, she's around my back now. I'll just get her off. There, so <laughs> we don't actually lose her into some of the equipment. We, we, we wouldn't wouldn't want yeah, her a, escaping in the studio. Luckily, it's no. a small one. 
But, but yeah, yeah, she's really docile. She's really gentle. Yeah, she is. Um, um, I, I can feel that, you know, she's holding on quite strong around my arm. She could yeah. probably have a bit of a grip. I mean, it's interesting in your article, you speak of these gentle creatures. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think, well, these are gentle creatures that kill their prey by strangling them alive. So bit of a paradox. Which is probably what freaks people out. And you find a lot of people are freaked out when they find out you, you keep snakes. Yeah. Most people think it's a very weird thing to do to keep snakes. It's a... Uh, mm-hmm. Well, you know what? It's a it's a decent hobby in Australia. Like a lot of people do it, but you know, snakes still have this general. They come with this sense of fear and wariness about yeah. them. So, like I've had people, as mentioned in the articles, come over and just like because I, I keep the snakes in my bedroom, and <laughs> yeah, like as you they, do, they outright like. <laughs> Don't come into the bedroom like I'm not going yeah. in there. That's just this, this, no. this is why you're not married yet. You know that, don't you, Lyndon? Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's good to know. <laughs> Snakes in the bedroom. My girlfriend tolerates them. I mm-hmm. won't say she likes them. She tolerates them, <laughs> which is a good thing. There you go. In your article, like you explore this idea of fear of snakes, and you particularly explore the question of whether a fear of snakes, you know, whether a few of our phobias and, and fears are an innate thing, or or are they something that that we learn? Um, where, where do you, like, having researched that a, a little bit, but what yeah. do you think? I've looked into it a little bit, and there is research that says, for example, that humans over many years. Mm. centuries, millennia maybe of evolution Mm -hmm. have adapted this innate fear of snakes. Mm -hmm. But so there is that element of the research, but the research that I find maybe from what I've looked into a little bit more consistent is that it's just, it's actually a learned response. Okay. So children, now a lot of children might be scared of snakes, maybe, Mm -hmm. but a lot of adults are scared of snakes. And so that's kind of a passed on trait or characteristic, even if a parent Shows some, she's going up towards the microphone. <laughs> yeah, she, she's calling over my microphone now. Can you hear that? Yeah, oh, the microphone's sinking. No, yeah. she's, she's very quiet. Let's just make sure she, she doesn't get in there because we might not be able to get her out. She's making no mic handling noise at all. She, <laughs> she could, could, could get a job as a, um, yeah, uh, uh, on a TV set holding a microphone, I think. <laughs> So and yeah, let, uh, let's let, let's put her back in the yes, box because sister. she is she's just crawling all over me, and and I don't yeah. know if, if I can concentrate, and I don't know what where she's trying to get. Okay, but she's beautiful. Wow, so beautiful, sort of brown and light brown and dark brown patterning on the yeah. back, and a white belly. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful python patterning. Wow. So your research, as so far as you have investigated it, suggests that our fear of snakes is not something that's hardwired, that's programmed into us, it is something we learn. Most of the research I've come across and read about Mm. have suggested as much. It's very much children pick up on things very, very early, Mm -hmm. be they obvious cues or responses or even just general wariness from the parents. Mm -hmm. Children pick up on those kinds of things very quickly and therefore learn that behavior or that response at a very young age. So Mm -hmm. yeah, from what I read, it's not really something that's deep innate it's more mm-hmm. of a learned response mm. wow I, I can still feel the sensation of, <laughs> of that snake like crawling over over my arms it's funny because cool, some, because someone else in the office earlier was saying the same thing she was holding the snake for a while and she said afterwards as she sat down at a desk oh I can still feel the sensation of it like crawling yeah I guess it's a strange thing like it's it's not a physical thing that we would normally kind of feel it's a, it's so it kind of lingers yeah. it's a new sensation so your brain's probably still Sort of getting used to it. like if you're not normally on a boat and you go on a boat and that night you're lying in bed you feel yourself still sort of moving rocking up and down it's your yeah. brain still trying to make sense of what was that all about yeah pretty much <laughs> wow now the interesting thing that you do in your article Lyndon is that you you make the leap from 
talking about people uh, about snakes and people's fear of snakes in particular and racism you know a fear or hatred or just a dislike or a prejudiced attitude towards people of of another ethnic or or cultural group is that an obvious leap to take for you or were you being sort of creative when you when you um, went there a little bit creative and more just kind of linking the fear of snakes. And so my mind kind of went into the path of, well, what about the fear of people? And this kind of, it's specifically in regards to children because I mentioned in my article a few years back now, I was in New Zealand just traveling in a car. And then, mm-hmm. oh, for those who haven't seen me, I'm a, <laughs> just, just to clarify, I'm, I'm an Australian-born Chinese. So mm-hmm. let's just get that out there. Yep. So when I was traveling in the car, I was in the backside passenger seat and we stopped at a lights and a little boy was walking past with his family and was mm-hmm. making the, you know, fingers, pulling the eyes to the side, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Asian eyes at me and pointing and laughing. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, well, for one thing, I was shocked. But then mm. it's like, what makes a seven-year-old mm. act that way? Mm. Like, think that way. Like, so that fear of snakes, fear of people, and I was kind of doing a bit of an overlap there. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess the other interesting thing is that you are training to be a primary teacher. So I guess yeah. th- thinking about, you know, children and how their attitudes develop, how they learn is something that is of particular interest to you right now. Yep. Yeah, yeah pretty yeah. much. So, yeah, I was just kind of thinking about like what makes a child act that way. And so mm-hmm. like, I guess the linking to the snakes, you know, what makes a child scared of snakes? Mm-hmm. A learned behavior we are concluding or from the research I read has concluded that as much. Mm. And so I was thinking, well, racism then. Mm. innate I don't think so I think this is a learned behavior picked Mm. up from Mm. parents or other people of influence that children can pick pick up on well this is interesting because I know that if if I was to go to let's say a remote village in the Papua New Guinea highlands Mm. for example and wander into a village and encounter a uh, you know a two or three year old child who had never seen someone with you know my you know paler shade of skin before and i was to lean down and say you know hello how are you little yeah. boy? you know <laughs> that child would scream its head off and you know bury its head you know in its mother's shoulder or just run and wouldn't i be right in thinking that well look the, the fear of someone from a different race is pretty much innate yeah, well, I think in that sense, for example, I don't know if it's a fear of your pigmentation or mm-hmm. is it just that, hey, this is new and I don't know how to process this. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a very, for, for me personally, I think there's a very clear distinction of like wariness. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all have biases to things that we find normal and routine. This is not just in regards to mm-hmm. people, but we kind of become creatures of habit and we get used to certain things, therefore in more comfortable in certain situations. Mm-hmm. And then, so, so if that child, for example, was brought up in a multicultural suburb in, in a city, for example, and was exposed exactly. to different people of different skin tones like from the earliest. I wonder if a child would act that you, way. You wouldn't get, that, rea- wouldn't get I, that reaction. Again, there. it depends on the child, their sure, makeup. Sure. Well, some children are outgoing from an instant and some children mm-hmm. are cautious of every living thing that moves, mm-hmm. so to speak. <laughs> so I guess it would vary, but I think so. Just exposure probably to... Mm the variation of maybe different kind of people, different languages, different looks of people probably would um, 
allow a child to not be so freaked out if something new came along because differences mm-hmm. are they that's normal and that's that's they're right. used to that spectrum so to speak yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah look I, I i think that that probably makes sense but i i guess i just wondered because it does seem to be you know pretty instinctive um sometimes i think uh, we're drawn to what's familiar i'll I'll, yeah. I'll buy that but i think there's being drawn and comfortable what familiar and then the leap to mm. racism i wouldn't overlap those two yeah, as a, yeah. As a, oh, that means racism. Yeah. I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't do that. Yeah. I mean, there have been some critics who said, you know, we should be careful with immigration because the countries that we see that are most socially stable in the world are often those that are very ethnically homogenous, hmm. you know, where we don't have to deal with these differences in ethnicity and culture. And it's just much more peaceful just to be surrounded by your own kind. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess I can see a certain logic in that, but. I don't know if that's the way the world is for you know most yeah. of us these days. I understand that too, but I guess in terms of I guess if you were to live in what not that those countries are in them of themselves like this bubble where nothing can get in, mm-hmm. but just from I think the world's opening up. You can get anywhere now. Mm-hmm. You're going to be exposed to different people of different cultures. So mm-hmm. is that the path going forward? I don't know. It, just to separate and put everyone yeah. back in their little cultural enclaves. Yep. Stay there. It's <laughs> yeah. It's like I don't, I don't know. Pa- if that's gonna work. Pandora's box has been opened for for good or for ill, and yeah. I guess we just have to learn to deal with it one way or another, don't we? Yeah. What do you think about? I mean, I don't know how much you've travelled in in other countries, but um, a little bit. But you've grown up in Australia. You've, you know the Australian uh, the Australian experience. How do you think like race and racism is dealt with in Australia? Is is do we have a unique way of of dealing with it? Or, you know, sort of, you know, same, same, probably in most countries. I am mindful of the fact that talking about racism is a very, mm. let's say it's a very serious topic. It's mm-hmm. a very polarizing topic. I've read some articles where it's just definitively, Australia is a racist country. Sure. I don't like dealing with those things because it's, it's, mm. it's kind of like this overgeneralized concept that doesn't really take into account people's individual experiences mm. and thoughts yeah. and feelings and that sort of thing, so to speak. Sure, sure. I, I mean, I guess that we could say that for anywhere. Look, in, exactly. in, in, in any country, you're going to find a variety of people. You're going to find people with strong views, yeah. one way, strong views the other, other way, no view at all, and, and everything in, in between. But I guess I just wondered if you had a sense of um, you know, our cultural tendencies when it comes to issues of, of race and, and racism. I guess the obvious comparison to make is with the United States, you know, because they loom very large on our cultural horizon. And I feel like in some ways we we are picking up more and more uh, American attitudes when it comes to race. Like, for example, we now use the phrase the N-word, which is you know, a very uh, American thing. I mean, I didn't even know what that word meant when I was a kid. You know, we mm. saying, you know, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, yeah. catch an N-word by the toe. I had no idea, <laughs> okay. no idea what it was talking I about. I heard that it, before, but it, okay. It, it, was, it was just a word. You know, I remember my, my parents used the word Negro sometimes. They didn't use it in a disparaging way. It was just the word they knew to refer to an, an African-American, whereas now obviously we say African-American or black or we're sometimes not sure if we're allowed to say black or like, I don't know, things sort of change through the generations. Definitely, and I think in Australia, like growing up in Melbourne, mm-hmm. In my youth and younger days, it was more from, I didn't see it personally, mm-hmm. but from what I saw on the news and what people were saying, there was a high 
kind of awareness and maybe resistance to the Greek community. Yeah. In Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. And that sort of thing. And I, then, I, I grew up in Melbourne too. Yeah, so exactly. So you heard A few years that. before you, but, but I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And so... But, but then by the 90s, it was the Vietnamese who were the targets. Exactly. Because so it was I, heroin and cabramatta and all this sort of stuff. And, and then now I'm probably more so towards yeah. people that um, of... Middle Eastern origin and or, or African, and yeah. that sort of thing. So yeah, it, yeah. it changes, it changes. So, but going back to like in terms of the climate of racism in Australia, like I've experienced some very volatile forms of racism in Australia as mm. an Australian born Chinese. Like mm-hmm. people have s- called me names that I don't want to really kind mm. of re- repeat, like mm. or done the whole Chinese mocking language thing at me, like yelling at that yep. to me across the street, like that sort of thing. Yep, yep. But it's one of those things like I don't want to say like, you know, oh yeah, racism's rife in Australia because mm-hmm. if I was to just simply go from a logical standpoint, mm. the number of people that I've encountered that have been volatile towards me because of my race, mm-hmm. do those that haven't, there's no comparison. It's, it's like, like the numbers it, game just... It's, it's like point zero zero one percent Yeah, yeah. Like I know we feel those things a lot more because they hurt, sure. but it's not really... They, they stick I, in our minds, yeah. Exactly. So yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's a good point. I've heard it said a few times that... Australians tend to be casually racist. Like you're just at someone's place, you're hanging around the backyard, you're you know having a barbecue, having a chat, and someone will, you know, just casually, you know, because they reckon you're their mate now, or whatever. <laughs> they'll like just casually throw in a like a fairly racial like a term that might be fairly racially volatile in another context, but they think because they're your friend now, they can like call you that, you know, in a just joking around mate yeah. so, sort of way. Or, you know, I don't know, you know, if they were talking to you, say something about Asian food or um, I don't know, you know, ma- make some sort of joke or some s- sort of crack just to, yeah, just to sort of maybe see how you react to let you know, hey, I'm comfortable with you. I feel like I can be myself. You can be yourself too. We can all open up here. And I think maybe among Anglo-Australians in particular, that has historically been a way that we sort of show that it's all right, you're my mate. It's um, almost like I, a sign of affirmation. And, that's um, right. We, we, sign we of endearment almost. That, that's in, in right. Way, yeah. we, we, we don't need to walk <laughs> on eggshells around each other. It's, it's all cool. Yeah. But is that an excuse just to, you know, sort of let racist attitudes hang out? Or, or is this actually something healthy that allows us to cross into that sensitive area that perhaps we can start to talk uh, about some of these difficult issues? Yeah, and like racism is tricky, and it's <laughs> no kidding. And it's like even when we're talking about this, we're talking about racism as a whole. But you know, there's different kinds of racism oh, and that sort of thing. Like there's absolutely. just systemic racism as mm. well. And like we're just talking about kind of overlapping into my mm. personal experience a little bit. <laughs> you you still remember that that cartoon that the Australian cartoonist drew about Serena Williams post? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know that she, cr- she, she's there like like yelling and ha- yeah. having a tantrum or whatever which she sort of had done on, on the court, yeah. And and that was seen to be a racial stereotype exactly that, of her and feeding into a... Particularly in America, mm. that was received quite... Or they were shocked that that would be printed and they mm-hmm. saw that as an outright form of racism. But again, mm. based on what you said, mm. it's kind of like I've had friends joke around the fact that, you know, I'm an Asian and can't use chopsticks like and, or, yep. or make a, a rib and that sort of thing. Um, I don't take offense to that. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't and I I don't want to go into the commentary of like oh we're far too PC these days and everything mm, has to mm. be yeah why, why do you have to be so easily offended and so yeah, yeah hyper vigilant all the time can't you just and relax and take a chill pill for me personally racism yeah. as well the way that I've grown to look at it 
a lot of things can appear racist. Mm. To definitively label someone as a racist, mm-hmm. that is a big call that I don't feel I'm willing to make. Because I honestly mm-hmm. think racism is a small, true racism is a small window into a person's heart. Mm-hmm. Like, is there hate there? Was that said in hate? Mm-hmm. Was that meant to belittle someone? And mm-hmm. I don't think some of those jokes actually are. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm okay with that, mm-hmm. personally. But then again, the problem is, there's a recipient, how does a recipient feel to that kind of comment as yeah, well? And that yeah. will change as well based on where they're at, their past experiences, their beliefs, their, yeah. their heart, so to speak. So, Well, this, it, this is where it gets challenging, Linda, yeah. because, I mean, you, you know, you, you're coming from a, a Christian background. You know, Jesus said, whatever, you know, the, the golden rule, do unto others as, as you happens. would have them to do unto you. Yeah. So how does that work? When even comes, that's relative. Well, right? yeah. How, how does that work? This suddenly becomes a challenge, you know, because I think, okay, well, I need to treat you as I would like to be treated, but you're from a different ethnic or, you know, cultural background yeah. to me. So how do I even make sense of that? Like you yeah. might not actually like the same things I like. That's a challenge, isn't yeah. it? Again, this is why I don't think racism is a, is a small thing and I don't think it can be looked at through one specific like lens. Like it's mm. very multifaceted in that mm, regard, mm. so to speak. So, you, so in order to sort of apply that golden rule, I guess you need to somehow try to put yourself in that person's shoes. Which technically should be another golden rule, really, isn't it? <laughs> in a certain way. And yeah, like, yeah. One of the people that I quoted in the article, I think, was um, talking about the difference between cultural awareness mm-hmm. and cultural competency. Like the first is just you're aware of diversity. Yep. I'm, I acknowledge it. Diversity exists. Yeah. Competency is more like, I acknowledge it, I'm aware of it, and now I'm going to step into that world. Mm-hmm. I'm going to step into that other person's shoes like what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. But I'm also going to become like part of that mm-hmm. and feel that, experience that, not just go like, oh yeah, that exists. Mm-hmm. I think that's a healthy yeah. pathway to go down. How do you do that sensitively though? As a, you know, being a white person, you know, we are often accused of co-opting other people's cultures and you know what I mean? It's, oh, yeah, I know all about, yeah, I can eat with chopsticks. I'm, I'm all cool. Look, I just got my hair braided so I can like, hang around with all my cool African friends and be African. You, you know what I mean? It's like, well, you're not Asian. You're not African. Like, you are a white person. You can't just come in here and, you know, browse along the smorgasbord of multiculturalism and take the bits that, you know, that take your fancy. Surely that's not what you mean by cultural competence. No, it's more in the, I guess, an awareness and understanding of different people, different cultures, mm-hmm. and learning to be, to, or see the good in that, actually, mm-hmm. and see the value in that, mm-hmm. more so than picking and choosing little bits of cultures that you find, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. And that sort that, of thing. That you can co-opt yeah, yeah. For, for your own exotic collection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, uh, I remember a basketball player in the United States got in trouble for that because mm-hmm. he was an Asian-born American and started mm-hmm. doing his hair in, like, in braids and some other cornrows or something yeah and then one of the african-american players said hey you're asian don't do that you're not black Mm -hmm. that's what this person was saying Mm -hmm. paraphrasing but that's what he's saying yeah but then i read one article that actually brought up the fact that you know what this particular player who's doing his hair in like a cornrow isn't that kind of way Mm -hmm. he's actually perhaps maybe if you look at it from a different lens he might actually be celebrating Mm. parts of the African American culture, mm. or, that, or seeking to belong. I mean, yeah. I mean, NBA is a you know very much domi- a sport very much dominated by African Americans. So if you're in that scene all the time, you can understand why you'd sort of want to fit in. Or yeah, and I don't see that as a bad thing. Yeah, I, don't, I yeah. don't think it's belittling that or taking mm. it on kind of like haphazardly. I think it's just like, hey, 
I recognize value in your culture mm. and I want to maybe learn or even be a little bit a part of that. And I, mm. think that's, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah, it's hard. Like, what do you do then? Keep out, you know, this is our culture. Exactly. You, you, you can't have it or, or wow, thanks. It's a, it, you know, what do they say? Imitation is the sincerest form yeah, of, flattery. of flattery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, I get people are protective of what they, uh, what they feel is theirs and mm. what they find familiar and don't want people to encroach on that. But personally, I'm all for building bridges as opposed to walls. Mm-hmm. And I think our wall can potentially do a little bit more of that. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, that means, I guess, allowing people to sometimes naively step into a space that's not really theirs. It's, that's an opportunity for, for them to learn and to connect yeah. isn't it? rather than being slapped down, let, let's hope. Yeah, like when you stay out, what about, you know what, come in. Mm. See for yourself, experience the culture, mm. learn a little bit. Mm. That's mm. cool. Why not? Uh, well, no, that's awesome. It's interesting with this, you know, current, um, you know, coronavirus thing that's that's going on. It seems to have sparked a, I don't know, there, there is a little bit of anti-Chinese. I mean, we're already, we're dealing with a bit of anti-Chinese yeah. sentiment, you know, with overseas investors. And I mean, the communist government is a whole other issue as well. But I, I went to Chinatown last night and, um, mm. you know, I was just wandering around there. You know, I love the scene there in Sydney and went to a restaurant there, loved the food. But I told some colleagues this morning that you went where? You went to Chinatown? Why did you go? <laughs> it's, it's like, it's, there seems to be this sense that anything Chinese, you know, somebody even said to me, said to me today, oh, you know, you realize that they, um, they build was it Mercedes cars in in China now? So you know, hopefully they don't come with coronavirus. You know, well, those the, the cars themselves have been affected. They're going to pass right. under the people. Although, okay, or, yeah. Like, yeah, our mattresses are made in Australia, not China. So you can be sure oh. they won't come with coronavirus. You know, it's this. It seems to be very easy for us to sort of jump. You know, anything Chinese, any one Chinese is suddenly infected by association, and it's a really easy jump to make for for a lot of people. I mean, they're it's half an, joking, but only half. It's an easy jump, though. And what's scary is that. What are the children seeing now? Yeah. What are those minds that are going like, I'm going to obviously mimic and copy what mm. my parents are doing or what people of influence are doing. Mm-hmm. And now the, the message is avoid Chinese people. Mm-hmm. What is that saying to Well, to Chinese kids? people, Chinese food, Chinese products, exactly. Chinese places, the, yeah. the whole works. So what is that telling kids yeah, yeah. to do or to, to behave or, to, or how to act? Like, it's 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 a, an interesting. I find that picture scary. It, it, it is. It, it's it's like the the new generation of the whole sort of yellow peril mentality. You know, it's you know this has happened in previous centuries. That, and it's it seems to be not far below the surface. Yeah. You know, sort of ready. It only takes a couple of incidents, and it's you know you scratch it, and and there it is. Which yeah. is, I guess, why people say Australia is really racist, even though, like you say, ninety nine point whatever percent of the time, yeah. most people are cool. Been absolutely awesome. So, yeah, yeah. Wow. Look, really, really fascinating stuff, Lyndon. I, I appreciate you, you know, sharing with us and that some of the, you know, thought-provoking, you know, stuff you you've been saying. So, j- just to finish off, can you give us some practical strategies to maybe reach across some of those cultural divides that are between us and and people outside our, our ethnic or, or cultural group? Any any tips or things you've seen work really well? I haven't personally gone out of my way to experience or meet new people from different cultures, but mm-hmm. nor have I avoided it. Mm-hmm. I think that's the main thing is about in your space, in your travels, mm. just being open to meeting new people mm. who might be different physically, have mm. a different skin color or might believe something different, but just be open to, hey, that's still a person. Mm-hmm. And just being open to those conversations or, hey, if you are on the plane or on the train, you know, sitting next to someone of a different skin color is not 
a bad option. Mm. You might actually learn something or meet something and mm. and that kind of thing. So I yeah, I didn't actually go out like as a Chinese born Australian, I haven't gone out and looked for different people, but I haven't closed different people off either. Mm. I think that's really the main thing. I don't know, as a Christian for me personally too, it's kind of like my belief is people's worth mm. is dictated on the fact that every single person is a child of God. Mm. Mm. That is just default and that doesn't change. And so if you look at different people like that, I'm not going to say that I'm colorblind because mm. I think we're all prone to what we're used to and what we find normal and safe mm-hmm. and we all have different biases. Mm. But and, think, and, and given our discussion about the golden rule, is colorblind even a state you would really want to be in? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think it's just about seeing people as people and mm. they're worth your time. They're mm. worth your respect just because of the fact that they are people. Yeah. And, and, and I, guess, Christian, I guess it's they important are, to get to know people as people first. So ask about them, ask about their family, ask about their work yeah. or their study or, or whatever. And, a, I think a lot of these racism attacks sometimes are based on very little personal experience, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. It's just what's been fed or what's been seen on the news. Or maybe just a couple of negative experiences that has then put someone off a particular group and nah, that's it. They've written them off. You've written them off entirely. Yeah. And there's yeah. a, I remember a MASH quote that said, um, one of the characters, Colonel Potter, said there should be a rule in war that you need to sit across from a man and get to know him before you shoot him. Wow. And I think that's just kind of like, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's something that we could potentially do a little bit more of like, oh. Not not, you, not, not shooting. Well. But, but, but getting to know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd say a verbal attack is a shot in a, yeah, in a certain right. kind of way, I guess. So it's just like, yeah. oh, he's, he's, he's that, he's that. Um, Maybe actually they are more than that, yeah, yeah. so to speak, as well. So yeah, wow, wow. So yeah, got got to get to know people as three dimensional, real human beings, as human as we are, and, and our families are. Yeah. Um, Instead of writing them off as a simple label. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Make some friends, do some learning. Yeah. Love it. Thanks very much, Lyndon. Really appreciate you being on Signs of the Times Radio this week. That's right. No worries at all. And hey, thanks for letting me bring my friend in as well. Yes, I'm sure she enjoyed it. Great, great Maybe. to <laughs> great to meet the snake. <laughs> it was awesome. Cool. Thanks, Kent. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media. This is an Adventist Media podcast.